Well, as Father Donovan said, we look a little different this morning because it is Gaudete or Rose Sunday. And the third Sunday in Advent, and the Latin word of Gaudete is to rejoice. So as they said in Philippians, today is a day to rejoice. And as we were preparing for Advent, Father Donovan and Mother Lisa came to me and said, Mark, would you be willing to preach? So how could I say no? So after some confusion and mixing about, I wound up on the third Sunday of Advent. So to be the good student, I looked ahead. And the first Sunday in Advent is about recognizing the signs of the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ in clouds with glory. The second Sunday of Advent is about John the Baptist proclaiming a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins and that all flesh shall see the salvation of God. Clearly, Advent scripture this time is really going to be good. So I skipped ahead to the fourth Advent, kind of like reading the end of the book first before I got to mine. It's about the joyous visitation of Mary and Elizabeth, where Mary proclaims, my soul magnifies the Lord and my spirit rejoices in God, my Savior. Wow. So you can imagine my excitement as I knew we would be vested in rows and I opened the liturgical scripture only to be greeted by you brood of vipers. <laughs> what happened? Is it possible that Donovan and Lisa read ahead of me? <laughs> we'll never know and they'll never say. As clergymen preaching, we always want to and tend to overemphasize the good and gloss over the bad. We want to bring good news. So let's look at today's scripture and find, try and find some good news that we can rejoice about in John's unusual way of preaching. Remember, John the Baptist's mission is to ensure that the crooked shall be made straight, the rough ways made smooth. He begins with a bold accusation and then identifies the sins of those present. He gives examples of fruits worthy of repentance and then describes the wonderfully redemptive ministry of one yet to come. And folks, that is good news. But he starts with, you brood of vipers. John's message in Luke is different from the one in Matthew. In Matthew, he's only speaking to the Pharisees and to the Sadducees when he calls them brood of vipers. But in our gospel today, he's speaking to the whole crowd. Regardless, is this any way to start a conversation? Clearly, John is not trying to win friends or influence people, but he has their attention. So next, our scripture says that he asked them a very important question. One sometimes we should ask ourselves. Who warned you to flee from the wrath to come? John is challenging them to ask themselves what has compelled them to come out into the desert to hear his word and to receive baptism. He knows the answer, but he also knows that it's a difficult journey. Today, if you go to Jerusalem, the drive from Jerusalem to the Jordan near Jericho is about an hour's drive. But then there were no modern roads, no cell phones, no Uber, no buses, no nothing. It was a barren desert and it still is. There's very little water and there's lots of bandits. It was dangerous for people to travel out. But this isn't just a physical journey. This is a spiritual one also. Remember last week's scripture where it said, the word came to John. So John is filled with the Holy Spirit and knows that that very same spirit is at work 
and the people before him. And he's hoping that they will find that out on their own. Then he tells them, bear fruits worthy of repentance. Now I don't know about you, but my father always told my brother and I to always set a good example. Because no matter what we did, we would set a good or a bad example by our actions. And John is telling the folks that whatever they do, their actions will bear fruit. To me, those good fruits are those given by the Holy Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, generosity, faith, gentleness, and self-control. John reminds them that just because they are the children of Abraham, they are not saved. Remember our scripture. Do not say to yourselves, we have Abraham as our ancestor. For I tell you, God is able from these stones to rise up children to Abraham. Even now, the axe is lying at the fruit of the trees. Every tree, therefore, that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. So, if God is able to raise up children for Abraham from the stones, what can save any of us? Because remember... We too are children of Abraham. As Paul said in Galatians, there is neither Jew nor Greek, slave nor free, male nor female. You are all one in Christ Jesus, and you all belong to Christ. Then you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. John is reminding those present and us that the hardened hearts of an all too often faithless people whose only belief is that they belong to the right family or faith will not get them the reward they expect. This passage reminds me of Jesus' parable about the unproductive fig tree. Remember, the seed of the tree is from the original tree, but it doesn't bear fruit. So now what? Cut it down also? No. The good news is, in Jesus' parable, that it ends with the vineyard worker saying to the uh, people, let's give it a second chance, as he says... Sir, the man replied, leave it alone for one more year and I'll dig around it and fertilize it. God always gives us a second chance, a third, and even more to turn our hearts towards him. So with an opening paragraph, John has reminded the multitude that they are sinners, challenges them to recognize that the Holy Spirit is at work in their lives and warns them about the complacency and believing who and what they come from. After an insult, a dire warning, the crowd doesn't leave, but they ask just the right question. Then, what should we do? What should we do? John's reply to them mirrors his earlier statement about worthy fruit. To the whole group, he says, whoever has two coats must share with anyone who has none. And whoever has food must also share. Now John doesn't leave any wiggle room in here. And it doesn't count if you just say, well, I'm not rich. John is encouraging the people to share in their abundance. Remember, he says if you have two, share one. Not to give the one just off your back. John's words show his wisdom. In his time, just as it is in ours today, there is more than enough grown, more than enough produced to feed and clothe everyone. The problem is our willingness to share in our own abundance. This call to share is to everyone, and how we share our time and money demonstrates what we value. Remember Jesus' words, we say them all the time, for where your treasure is, 
There will your heart be also. John's words are radical in this message, for he is calling us to treasure one another. And that's good news. Then the tax collectors ask, Teacher, what should we do? And the soldiers ask, And we, what should we do? Aren't we all asking those same questions? Notice, though, that in John's answer, there is no condemnation, only a path to redemption. Do not extort money from anyone by threats or false accusation, and be satisfied with your wages. John is exhorting them to act and for us to be both kind and truthful to each other, to share in our abundance, and to be content with what we have. Now, as I said earlier, John is filled with the Holy Spirit and recognizes that those present are seeking the one. For our scripture continues, as the people were filled with expectation and each were concerning in their hearts as to whether John might be the Messiah, without even needing to hear it spoken, John recognizes what they're saying because of that Holy Spirit and says to them, One who is coming, John says, I am not worthy to untie the thong of his sandals. Next, John seems to predict the coming event when he says, He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. Now to me, and I'm sure many of you, it reminds us of Pentecost and the fire of the Holy Spirit coming down. Lastly, John gives us a final warning. His winnowing fork is in his hand to clear the threshing floor and to gather the wheat into his granary. But the chafe will burn with unquenchable fire. Sometimes we are a pit of vipers. What then should we do? On this third Sunday in Advent, let us share the abundance of both our treasures and our spirit. Let us wait in joyful expectation for the arrival of our Lord Jesus Christ. And we can simply believe. Remember what Jesus said. Let your heart not be troubled. You believe in God. Believe in me also. And if you have questions today about your belief, please see Father Donovan or Mother Lisa and express that to them so that they would know and be able to speak with you. Beloved, it is Gaudete Sunday. Let us rejoice in John's good news and remember Paul's words that we heard in our scripture today in Philippians. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Amen. Amen. Amen.